Hey up everyone, welcome to episode 5 and we're recording this on the 22nd of April 2021 for release the following day and we're going to be talking to Mark Freeth today uh, and he is the owner of the War Games Holiday Centre so uh, great interview with Mark, uh, really good, really funny uh, interview so uh, looking forward to that. Just before we go there, um, just a few bits of housekeeping to talk about and um, the, the book from uh, the episode three with uh, Dr. Chris Brown um, has been claimed by Duncan in Canada of all places um, so I've mortgaged my house and I've sent that book uh, across to him in Canada Episode 4 is out today on YouTube, the episode where I speak to uh, Colin Ashton about his um, exploits with his big games during lockdown and uh, great episode that one and I've uh, coloured the background of uh, that episode with lots of pictures of his lovely lovely collections of figures uh, so if you've not heard that one or you want to listen to it again with the uh, the added pleasure of looking at Colin's collection of figures um, it's out on YouTube as we speak just search for Yaksha Gamer with an A and uh, you'll find me there isn't an, there isn't another one without a shadow of a doubt. Um, so that just comes on to this episode. I am really happy with how this one has come out. Um, the sound quality of the stuff that I'm doing is getting better. Um, I've never done a podcast uh, before up until two months ago and um, the progression from the pilot episode to this one uh, I'm really really happy with. So that's enough of me rambling on and let's go to our interview with Mark. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen, and um, we are back with episode five of the Yorkshire Gamers Elite Big War Games podcast. And when I started the podcast, I set out to talk to people who knew about big games. And when I drew up that list uh, of the first five people I wanted on my shows, uh, this chap, Mark Freeth, was on the top of that list. Um, if you don't know Mark, he is the current owner or custodian we'll discuss uh, we'll discuss that uh, as we get towards uh, when we talk about the war games holiday center later on uh, but he owns that and runs that and big games there everyone can come and play a big game at the war games holiday center um it's available for everyone so uh, sadly very sadly the war games holiday center is no longer situated in god's own county it's been um, it's been transferred somewhere south of sheffield i'm, I'm uh, my geography gets a bit blurry once we get south of sheffield um so uh, let's welcome uh, mark freeth to yorkshire gamers Re big war games podcast hello mark well, hello ken thank you very much for the inv invitation and the quite the quite interesting introduction there <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, uh, we we had a little chat before. Oh, come we... on, oh, wait a minute. How Go come on. I'm last on the list? Because you said top five, and I am number five. That intimates that I'm last. No, that what 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 that says is that I've done them in. It's like the top ten on top of the pops market. It's done in oh, reverse fantastic. order, mate. It's done in reverse order. <laughs> See what I've done oh, there? Good. Yeah, good recovery. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So uh, we had a little chat before we started recording, and uh, we, we're both fans of pretty dreadful football teams, myself, Bradford City, and, and Mark, you're a Brentford fan, I believe. 
I am, sir. I am. <laughs> and um, you, you've done a podcast before with uh, Henry Hyde, is that right? Yes, I did. Yeah, I'm very good friends. Well, I like to think I'm good friends with Henry. Um, got a soft spot for the fella. He he works with me in a number of ways. Yeah. Um, you know, he's been an advisory on you know marketing and that kind of aspect for the, for the centre. Yeah. Uh, he also comes along to the Don Featherstone tribute weekend, and he yeah. runs the auction for me. So. Oh, brilliant! Well, well, when you see Henry, because I've done a bit of um, a bit of revision and um, sort of looking into things before I speak to someone, and I had a listen to your uh, podcast with Henry, and Henry described the previous location of the War Games Holiday Centre as the bleak Yorkshire Moors. Um, so, <laughs> if, if you could, if you could have a word with Henry and just say that the Yorkshire Moors are a national park and an area of out outstanding natural beauty a treasure <laughs> a one treasure might say. for the country <laughs> indeed so I, I you know, I, 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 ken i still go there because um uh, but my partner margaret who's uh, mike's wife mike yeah. was the original owner mike she, she still lives there yeah, yeah she oh, still right, lives yeah. there yeah Brilliant. so i go up there well not obviously not in the last year but yeah. um i go i go back up there to folkton which is just outside scarborough yeah. Oh, I know the area well. I know the area well. I've I've worked and lived in Yorkshire for forever, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's well well familiar with with me. I'm just setting up, Mark, because one of the first things that I do on the podcast is, as as everyone else does, um, is that we do a little introduction of uh, how you got into wargaming, um, but just to do it a little bit different like um, most things on Yorkshire Gamer are just that little bit different. Um, I do this in four minutes. Um, okay. And, and this is because um, I was listening to a lot of podcasts and our friend Henry, um, he'd like, come on, and they say, do us an introduction of how you got into Wargaming, Henry. And he'd do an hour and 40. <laughs> and, and then the poor, the poor lad who was running the, uh, the podcast uh, would go, Thanks very much, Henry. And tonight's big talk. Oh, I've run out of time. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but none of them were bored. None of them were bored, Ken. <laughs> so, so you've not, you've not, had, you've not had a practice. Some people have had a practice. Would you believe? One of the, one of the oh, lads, God, the, no. the lad on the first podcast, Chris, uh, bless him. He works in the media, and he was absolutely spot on. So I'm not putting any pressure on you at all. But people, no pressure. People have done it properly in the past, is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> so go on then, Mark. Just in, in four minutes, just try and summarise your introduction into wargaming and where, and bring yourself up to, to up to date. Okay, okay. So I mean, I think like a lot of gamers, uh, probably some parental into, influence. My dad was very much into history, military history. Um, and when I, I mean, I was born in the 60s. So, you know, the thing that was available to anybody that had any interest in that would be Airfix 172nd or 132nd figures. And he'd buy those for me. And he'd tell me some amazing stories about the history of them, of the, the, of the units and the figures that I was getting. And, and not all of it true. You know, a lot of it was <laughs> embellished and made up. But, you know, great. It, it conjured images in my mind. And um, I, I really fell in love with the whole look of it and all those stories. So going from the Airfix ranges um, through the years, I continued buying additional. There was a, a range called Action Packs, if anybody remembers those. Mm -hmm. They were a 132nd scale model. 
range and they did loads of Napoleonic stuff that you couldn't get with Airfix, etc. And that led me down a path of building quite a large force of 132nd, lots of painting of all that stuff. And then we moved back up to Basingstoke to the area in Hampshire. And my dad discovered a war games club in Basingstoke uh, in, the, in the notice board of the local library. So I went along, you know, 12 years old with the biggest, biggest sports bag I could get with all these 132nd figures in there. And these guys in the Basingstoke club, to this day, I'm still in touch with Phil Mercer, who's a good friend of mine, and Tony Connor, who remembers that club. And they remember me bringing in all my collection of these 132nd figures and putting them beside their 28 mil figures. I'd never heard of a metal figure. Yeah. I didn't know what that was. You know, Hinchliffe was a complete revelation to me. And um, yeah, so I went in there, got really embarrassed because I got them all out. And while they were praising me, you know, I had the nounce even at that age to understand when I was being flannel. <laughs> So I just thought to myself, no, okay, I need to stop doing this with the plastic stuff. And I started buying um, Hinchcliffe models from a, a model shop in Reading. Um, my dad then got very interested in it. Uh, we started using our own sets of rules. Uh, Minifigs, which is just down the road in Southampton. We used to buy a lot of stuff from there. Um, we managed to buy a collection off a, another, off a bus driver in Basingstoke. So, you know, the, the whole collection grows exponentially as a, as a result. About five or six years later after that, a member of the club said to me, there's this place in Scarborough. Um, it, I think it was in Thornton Liddell, which is just outside, well, about 15, 16 miles from Scarborough. And um, this guy, Peter Gilder's running it. And I thought, oh my God, Peter Gilder. Wow, yeah, you know, let's, let's do that. Uh, and we took our weekend up to the Wargames Holiday Centre as it was, you know, just outside. It, it, it had moved from Thornton Liddell by the time we got the money together to go up there but uh when we got up there i just walking through the door there was a smell about the place and the whole view of this battlefield of borodino was like something i'd, I'd only seen it in in war games illustrated so seeing it laid before me and this is like i think this was early 1986 and peter what uh you know what a character you know, he was he was an entertainer. He had a real eye for the tabletop and how it should look. It just looked realistic. I can see you watching the clock, Ken. It's very off-putting. Oh, oh, listen. Did it, did it, did it, do. I can hear it. So, four games under this centre, Peter Gilder. Uh, Peter introduced me to the guy who was buying it, Mike yeah. Ingham. Um, and from Mike's relationship, that's where it blossomed. I spent 20 years really good friends with Mike. Sadly, he passed away. He wanted to keep it going. Uh, interest for his wife, etc. And here we are. Moved it south. <laughs> get it. No worries. Uh, a bit of pressure at the end there, Mark. I, I could feel. I, I, could, I could feel the pressure on that. <laughs> that music comes in, and people just panic. I need to go to the toilet, Ken. Can you put it on board? <laughs> of course, of course we can. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it, it just just mixes it up a little bit having that four minute session. Yeah, yeah. So um, we'll talk quite a lot about the War Games Holiday Centre later on. Um, but you, in your personal story, there you kind of mentioned Basingstoke Club and and being around Reading. Are, are you still in a club? Do you still do that, or is the War Games Holiday no. Centre enough? No, the War Games Holiday Centre takes does take up an awful lot of the time outside of my family life, as it were. Yeah. I mean, um, 
I'm of an age now where I've got grandkids and, you know, the kids have all moved out. So it's just me and the wife. But yeah. so, so there is there is time available. But I spend a fair bit of time pre-COVID. I would spend a lot of time researching the battles, mm. developments, because there's always new there's always news coming up yeah. around yeah. the battle. So, you know, there'll be they'll they'll discover some new information mm. uh which lends something to the battle which we can then convert into the game etc mm. so um running running the war games holiday center while it sounds you know great in that in that respect that it but it does take up quite quite a bit yeah. of the time it takes me about two and a half hours to put all the boards out for the game mm. um it'll take me a good three four hours to get all the paperwork sorted out before the game so, you know, that's your evenings done. That's two evenings in the week before the actual weekend. And Is it just yourself doing all that or have you got people who come down and no, help you? Just you? Most of the time it's just me. Um, I did develop some some forms of partnerships with the likes of uh, Simon Miller, yeah. who runs the To the Strongest, Big, yeah. red, big red Bat Shop Enterprises. Yeah. Um, so we did some weekends with Simon. Um, and his, you know, his collection is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, absolutely yeah. out of this world. He's on my, he's um, on you know, my he af after the first five list, so he's definitely not as important as you. Oh, <laughs> oh no, no, no! I tell you what, when you th if you get to see Simon's collection and yeah. give it a good look at his rules, he yeah. should be number five, definitely. You reckon? Definitely <laughs> not, not me, not me. <laughs> But yeah, so the other guy, Dave Doherty, he works with me, and I've got oh, a chat that helps me quite yeah. a lot. Paul Goodwin, I, I know so I Dave. guys yeah. who are very, very helpful. Brilliant. And um, outside of the uh, War Games Holiday Centre, do you do any gaming yourself? Do you have any time to to sit um, down and? I do because um... I, I did have a. I've got a group of friends who, oddly enough, are not at all interested in going to the War Games Holiday Centre. Right. Okay. And that <laughs> and that's because. Um, they, their interest lies in science fiction or fantasy and mm. that kind of thing. So before I start, I took on the War Games Holiday Centre. I'd do a lot of Warhammer type yeah. stuff, um, and but still do a lot of historical stuff. So my feet were planted firmly in both camps. Mm. So I would run weekends doing uh, Warhammer 40k tournaments, for instance. Yeah. Um, before the War Games Holiday Centre. And then even when I ran the early days of the War Games Holiday Centre, we ran Warhammer Fantasy Battle and Warhammer 40K tournaments at the War Games Holiday Centre. Yeah. Um, and I still do one a year where I get, you know, a lot oh, of the right, fantasy okay. guys get yeah. together. And, it, I mean, some of the painting is just amazing. So, so yeah. I stick with those guys. So outside yeah. of that, yes, I do play a bit of that. And we do things like, you know, we'll do Skirmish World War II, yeah. that kind of thing. We've. Um, yeah. uh, do, do you do you build your own collections of figures, or do you rely on the stuff that you've got at the holiday centre? I do build my own collection. Well, I, I mean, I rely. There's a there's a reliance because there's a huge. I mean, we've got forty plus forty thousand plus figures. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, so <laughs> you know, but it doesn't stop me looking. And I mean, I can tell you now, I've just bought a hell of a lot of plastic uh, yeah. cavalry. Hmm. Um, which I'm busy putting together. Uh, a good friend of mine paints them for me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so they're, going in, they're all going into the collection. So yeah. I'm very, very keen to see all the Russians and Prussians that are coming down the road. 
Well, you, you might you might not know this, but somewhere in your Napoleonic collection, there'll be some of my figures because I did a bit of painting for Mike and Jerry a long time ago. Um, oh, great! So uh, it'd be interesting to know if they're still there. <laughs> you'll have to come. You'll have to come down, Ken, and pick them out. Yeah, and spend all day looking through the trays to try and find them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> One of the things I like to talk to people about on, on here, um, and um, I'm hoping you remember Venn diagrams from school. Do you remember them? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and each wargamer has their own personality and their own way that they like to uh, play games and and take part in the hobby because it's quite a wide-ranging hobby with lots of different skills involved you've got the modeling you've got the train making painting the games itself um and i've broken it down into wargamer painter collector and historian and i think most of us personally i'm more of a painter than a gamer so I'm sort of paint historian. I will put myself and collector as well. Um, how would you see yourself in in those categories, Mark? Are you? I'm definitely not a painter. Right. Um, I'm so critical. I am so critical of my own work, Ken, yeah. it's, and it takes me an age to do anything. Yeah. I keep having to go back over it. Yeah. But certainly, the history aspect of it interests me immensely. Mm. Uh, I like building terrain because I'm better at that than I am oh. painting. Uh, I like painting. I like painting horses. Oddly enough, wow. I spend all day painting horses, and I know a lot of gamers out there just don't like doing that. So it's quite, yeah. quite odd. But I, I, I love all that. So the history, war gaming. I've got one mode really, and that's attack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you know, if you if you've got a position to hold, you're not the man. No, I'm the man across <laughs> the other side of the table. Yeah. The, you're supposed the, to be over here. Yeah. yeah. So if you say, if there's a table set up and there's a there's a, a division of heavy cavalry in the corner, you push everyone out of the way like that. Uh, no, no, it doesn't matter what you give me, Ken. I'm not all right. About it. A bit of uh, a bit of Arab militia with with bows and no armor, and you're still charging forward. <laughs> no, I like that. Yeah. I, I like that. Yeah. I, I, th I think um, I think most war gamers have. Um, uh, sort of a, a type of game that they like to play. And, you know, the people I'm sure you'll have met hundreds and hundreds of gamers. You'll have the guys who immediately gravitate to the cavalry section, charge everything forward in the first couple of moves while the commander-in-chief just looks on completely bemused at what's going on. Uh, and then you'll Certainly have, a wide variety. Yeah, yeah and, and the, the guy who likes to hide behind a wall and wait for people to come to him and... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I did have one of the gamers ask me if he could move the fence with him. Oh, that's an interesting one. <laughs> we, we 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 had a guy. We we had got a guy at the club in Leeds who, uh, who who's very similar. I'm not going to mention his name, um, but every time somebody, so you'll be moving a couple of units, and you might need to like just slightly move a wall so you can get one line next to the other, and, and his name is now synonymous with that tactic. <laughs> <laughs> it's called a. I can't say his name, but let's say Pete. I'm doing a Pete. <laughs> <laughs> you just move the wall so you can get the two units. Yeah, yeah. So, Absolutely. <laughs> Listening to your podcast with uh, with Henry, you you did a few. You've done a few battlefield walks. Is that right? Uh, yes, but I mean the majority are Napoleonic. I've done some of the First World War ones up and down the Somme Valley. Yeah. Um, I. I 
I, I, it's quite moving. I, mm. I think anybody, you can't fail to be moved by it. No. Um, and I, one in particular I do revisit quite frequently is the battlefield of Waterloo. So, you know, um, we go back, my wife and I stay over there probably two, three times a year. Mm. And I'll walk around the battlefield, taking it in, you know, it's just to see the, to, it's very good. It's very well to look at the battlefield on the tabletop. Mm. And my last visit to Waterloo drove me to change how I played Waterloo at the oh, centre. Right, yeah. yeah. So doing things like Plantsenoir, I ran a mega weekend and I ran Plantsenoir as a fight in isolation to the Battle mm. of Waterloo. Yeah. Um, and that worked really well, you know, because when you stand in Plantsenoir and look over to the northeast, where the Prussians are coming from, yeah. you can't see that the lay of the land, because the land rolls, you, mm. you'd, you'd lose visibility of these guys. So how on earth? they defended it it would be mm. quite close you know and i think it was anything you read about it, it is very very close in fighting mm. did have you ever stayed in the because you can stay in hugemont now can't you there's a little flat it above does. the gate um, yeah. have, have you ever stayed yeah. there no 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 we, no. we, we I'm, looked... too, I'm too superstitious ken i'd be i'd be waking up in the night saying <laughs> what the hell what was that did you hear that <laughs> We, we we looked at we looked at it for for one of my big number birthdays. I can't remember now. I've had so many of them, um, <laughs> and uh, it wasn't as expensive as I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be absolutely ridiculous. That's because of the ghosts, Ken. <laughs> I wear my Bradford City top. That'll scare them away. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, and I've not. We've we've talked about it, and the, the gaming lot here have talked about it a few times. But we've never been. I've never actually know anyone who's actually stayed there because uh, I think it would be quite quite interesting. To mm. they've uh, done to, some. Yeah, I mean the whole place. When when I first went there, you could just walk in to the mm. courtyard of the farm, um, and it you know it was dilapidated. It was quite run down. There were people still living there when we first went back to when we first went to Waterloo. And just walking around the, the chateau itself, mm. not inside, obviously, but, the, you know, the grounds of the chateau and walking around the outside, you, you get a whole different feel. Anything you read about it mm. doesn't lend to, you know, the, the mountain these guys must have had to climb, A, mm. in defending it, and B, in actually getting into it. Because yeah. it's just a bastion. It's, you know, uh, yeah. the walls are high enough and they're very thick. Have you been back since it's all been done up with the the video presentation and um... yeah yeah I, I did a YouTube um, video of my walk around it probably yeah. 2019 oh good 2019. yeah because uh, I first went when I first went it was all boarded up I could, you couldn't get anywhere near it and there were signs at the end of the road going private land don't come in etc um, yeah. um, and we deliberately went back. Um, uh, well, probably five or six years ago now, uh, and it was great to get inside and, and have a look around. And, and yeah. I didn't quite realise how big the garden was, or the orchard, as it was called. It's huge. Yes. And looking through yeah. those little holes in the wall, you can, yeah, you, you yeah, can just absolutely. imagine the French coming towards it, <laughs> looking yeah, at your brown yeah. best going, how am I going to stop that lot with this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. What's your, yeah. what's your current project then, Mark? What are you working on at the moment, wargaming-wise? Oh, I mean, cool. God, C current project is World War Two. I'm doing um, some work on a chain of command exercise to do oh, around right. Pegasus Bridge. Yeah. 
uh, and the campaign, you know, post D-Day. Um, so I'm trying to string, well, not trying, I am stringing together some scenarios yeah. uh, to allow us to, you know, do the fighting around Pegasus Bridge and the holding of the bridge yeah. uh, and the, dry, the Marine Commando landings and all yeah. that sort of thing and pushing up the river. So um, that's where we are at the moment. I'm also working on some Napoleonic uh, scenarios for General D'Armee. Right. So I, I, I do, and I don't stick to just the one rule set at the centre. We tend to, or I tend to, um, mm. mix mix it a bit. So I, I, I worked quite hard on the general brigade and general armée aspect. Dave Brown's been very supportive with it. So, you know, he comes along once a year with his crew. Oh, right. yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, the Loughton Strike Force lads. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they do a fantastic game system and they're a good bunch of lads they all have a good yeah. laugh and you know <laughs> members of the public members of the public join in yeah so every and then you know the common thing there ken is that you've all got a common interest exactly you know even exactly. if you turn up on your own mm. even if you turn up on your own you walk into the bar you get introduced to everybody you pick the sides and all that good stuff mm. and it, and you know i've not had anybody feel you know within minutes you're at ease mm. i've not yeah. had anybody you know not feel that so that's that's for me, that's the win. That's what I really want guys to do. I want them to come yeah. along, have the best experience, the best experience, that's, you know, mirroring what I had. Yeah, brilliant. Because it brilliant. was the best. I mean, I couldn't sleep, <laughs> honestly. That's proper, like that's being, proper enthusiasm. Oh, yeah, it was like being nine years old on Christmas Eve again, I tell you. <laughs> well, that's probably, that's probably a good place just to take a little short break because we're going to talk about big games next. And, and that, oh, no. that, that just capture that enthusiasm because it's exactly what we want to talk about in the next section. There we go. So um, as regular listeners, listeners will know, in the second part of um, the podcast, we like to talk about big games. And I think we've probably got the right man here. Uh, and just before we came uh, to the end of the first section, we, we got a little bit of that enthusiasm um, coming through there for the big game. Um, so you talked about going into the old War Games Holiday Centre up at um, at Scarborough near Scarborough. Um, what was what was that feeling like for you? How, how what how did that impact on you and and your gaming? I guess getting there, I didn't have an overly you know I hadn't had a, <laughs> there was no preconception of what I was to expect. I'd seen the stuff in the magazines. And that looked grand, but it didn't look like anything that couldn't have been put onto a six by four table. Yeah. Uh, so walking through the door, meeting Peter Gilder for that first time and looking at the table, you know, arrayed in front of me was 27 feet by 12 feet of war games table that had sculpted terrain to reflect the battlefield. Mm. So, you know, you had the Kolocha River, you had the... the the Great Redoubt, the Fleshes, yeah. the Utitsa Village, the Woodlands. And Peter really had a knack for, you know, he would just look like he was chucking stuff on the table. <laughs> but when you step, you know, but when you step back, he had a natural talent for making it somehow look realistic. So, you know, when you when I took it all in, I was like, oh my God. I didn't care about the figures. I was just looking at the table for what, what must have been. It felt like minutes but it was hours you know um 
and then you know we got all to, we got to divvy up all the forces so i think i can't remember there was only about eight guys there on that weekend so but it was four aside so you know we had on in essence we had the best part of two core a piece yeah and back in those days, that wasn't a huge amount of figures by the standards of where we've aspired to with the Warhome yeah. Centre now. But um, back in that day, it was still more than I'd ever owned. Yeah. You know, it was 16 battalions of 28 mil figures and two, two regiments of light cavalry. And then there was the heavy cavalry corps and all that good stuff. Um, and the rules were a, a revelation as well. Okay. Mm. I, mean, I, think I, I was very much the only thing I'd played prior to that was Newbury rules. Oh, my condolences. Um, yeah, and <laughs> WRG. And so yeah, that kind that kind of I mean, it didn't kill it for me, but I wasn't you know that it didn't flick any switches with me. Mm. Whereas I started doing the stuff with Peter, and you know I was having fun, <laughs> and the feel of it, you know, the feel yeah. of it, was, yeah. It still came across. It still felt like it should do mm. with a Napoleonic battle. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and I never looked back. I think I went up there in 86 and I got home the, at the end of the weekend. I got home. It just takes us about five hours driving up there and then back. Yeah, well, the scenery <clears> is, <throat> once she gets north to Sheffield, the scenery is brilliant. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> never boring. Never boring. Never boring. Coalfield, uh, Coalfield National Park, Coalfield, <laughs> disused steelworks. It, it's all, it's all up here, mate. It's all up here. Oh no, I never found, I never found that for a minute. I, I, <laughs> that drive, getting onto the A four one nine at mm. the end at, from the M sixty two to Scarborough. Yeah, it, you know, it was almost like coming home. That's what it's what it got to be. That's yeah. what it felt like. It was great, absolutely yeah. great. <laughs> and. Um, so do you look at big games? Do you go to war game shows? Do you, do you go to the like salute and colours and places like that? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I go to salute, go to colours. I go to warfare, which is in Reading as well. Yeah. Um, I go to the devices game because the, there's a load of lads I know in the devices club that used to do all the 40k circuits. Yeah. And, you know, great bunch of lads. We'd all get together for a beer. And I guess you do, mm, like normal yeah. human beings, I suppose. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I go, I, invariably, I go to the shows, I guess, to try and do a little bit of marketing. Yeah. So, you know, I wear a, a, a polo shirt with the War Game Centre on the back and what games we're doing next year and that kind of mm. thing. And I've got to, you know, meet and work with some really, really decent guys in the yeah. hobby. You know, there's some... Well, you know yourself, Ken. There's some great characters in the in the oh, hobby, yeah. uh, um, and you know I've got to meet quite a lot of them, so I'm privileged in that perspective. And and when you're going round those shows, is, is it the big games that you're drawn to? Is that where your eye wanders? Not always, because for me, as I said, it's about the uniforms. If I see something that's out there that's really done well mm. and painted nicely, and the, for me, the key thing in a game is not just about the figures. The key mm. is how it looks. Yeah. It's got, you know, the terrain needs to be right. If you're going to spend all this time and money in painting and building your army, your figures, mm. why would you just put it on a tablecloth? Yeah. That's just my personal yeah. opinion. Yeah. You know, uh, so I like, I, you know, I'll, I'll look at all aspects of the hobby, but, you know, of course, everybody's drawn to the big games. Really good mate of mine, John Lander, ran some. Um, demonstration games at uh, salute for a number of years and it was all 132nd 54 mil yeah. world war ii 
And then he did one about seven years ago, which was all the ancients. We did the battle, uh, I can't remember the battle now. It, it was Carthaginians versus Polybian Romans. Yeah. It was all in 54 mil. Oh, you know, it's fantastic. <laughs> fantastic stuff. <laughs> I, I love that sort of stuff because you think you think you look, you look at your own collection and you think I'm a bit mad, me. And then you, you look at and, and, then, and then somebody else has done it in 54 mil, and you think, no, I'm perfectly normal to be honest. <laughs> yeah, one of the best stories that John told me. They were doing um, oh, what they were doing? Uh, God, they were doing a World War Two exercise, and it was um, the uh, not Sanders here, the Campbell Town. Um, yep. So he's wheeling the Campbelltown on a on a trolley, right? And he's got a he's got a klaxon, the wind up klaxon, and he's wheeling the Campbelltown. And the plan was while the game was in flow, yeah, he was going to wheel the Campbelltown from the entrance past the traders, and then as soon as one of the traders said, "That's the Campbelltown, isn't it?" He was then going to start the siren. Oh, brilliant. Going towards the table. <laughs> that was part of the game. That was part of the game. That's awesome. I, I, um, there certainly, we, we tend to uh, gravitate uh, eccentrics towards our hobby, I would say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And people yeah. like that, I just absolutely love it. I love I love that sense of enthusiasm uh, and, yeah. and, and comedic sense as well when it comes to to games because some people can be very very stuffy uh, but that yeah. sort of thing is i absolutely love um when i when i started this podcast I did a little bit of a pilot episode and just sort of went and talked about what i was trying to aim with it um, which was obviously to bring back the love of uh, the big game which is kind of fallen out of favor a little bit i think at the moment um and i tried to define what a big game was is that something you could try mark do you think you could define what a big game was i think for me a big game um certainly a number of figures you need a, you know, a fair few figures but the big game is where you can have a big table and yeah. plenty of terrain on it that looks the part because mm. like i said about my exercise with peter gilder and the borodino table you know, when you walk in and you look at it and it takes your breath away. Yeah. So, and, you know, I'm going to blow my own trumpet here. I've got a friend of mine, Chris Cornwall. He's the itinerant uh, gamer, if anybody follows the YouTube stuff. And yeah. he he has a natural eye for building a, a table for World War Two, like yeah. no one else. Mm. So he does a lot of my chain of command tables yeah. and he'll do the, you know, the, the World War two stuff at 28 mil scale yeah. um and then i've got a friend of mine paul goodwin does the same for the rapid fire weekends that we do mm. for the 20 mil scale yeah i think i've seen some of chris's stuff on i think it's twitter i think i follow him on or i've seen him on uh he's, yeah. he's, done, he's done some italian war stuff that's um, right Absolutely yeah right yeah so yeah. um and i think you've 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 kind of covered what the joy of the big game is um we've talked about the spectacle um yeah what other aspects of of the big game uh draw draw you to that side of gaming i think it's meeting new people the camaraderie that it brings because you know getting into those big games you do yeah. you, you don't necessarily get it all from the local lads you've got to bring other people in yeah so you know and that's you know if you're doing it as a club fine you'll have a number of guys but invariably you'll need to get somebody else in and i think that's that's a great aspect of the mm. hobby you need to be doing that yeah um you know, when I get guys coming to the War Games Centre, the one thing I really strive to achieve is that A, they enjoy themselves, and B, they get to know the other players and they yeah. get to interact with those other players. Because 
I've got mates. I've got a mate of mine, Paul Williamson. I've known him since I went up there in 86. I'd never have met him if I hadn't gone there, you know, yeah. and, you know, and he's still one of my best mates right now. So, yeah. and I met, I, I met a number of people, Noel Bilson in Plymouth. Um, you know, I could, the list goes on, you know, and I've met <laughs> a number of people. Dave Doherty, he does a lot of the Sudan stuff for me. I met Dave in Scarborough, you know, yeah. it's that kind of feel. The, and I think that, Dave, Dave me, Doherty, the, the man with a million awesome. camels. You, that's the fella. Yeah. <laughs> I, we, I, I don't know if, you, if you've seen the Analog Hobbies paint, Winter Paint Challenge. Um, it's something no, that happens. It happens every year. And um, there's about 100. I have heard of it. I have yeah, heard of there's it. about 100 people from around the world who take part. And Dave and myself are, are two of the regulars. And Good. every time it's like, Dave, how many camels do you need, mate? <laughs> 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 he, put oh, this he, does paint, he does paint a mean camel. Ken. Well, he's had, it, said. he's had enough bloody practice, is what I say. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I think as well, I, there's something we just, I discussed on the last episode, um, uh, and you might be probably one of the best people to kind of comment on this. Um, there's a, there's a, a type of gamer, um, the, like the competition gamer, who's very very serious, doesn't like a laugh, um, can be, sometimes be quite argumentative as well. Um, but right. I, I I haven't really in, in my time of gaming come across them in a big game setting. I found big games to be very social, very um, fun to play with a lot of banter between the players. Is that something you've seen at the Holiday Centre? I get a mix. I still mm. get a mix, Ken. Um, yeah. I, and I, th I think that's, you know, that's a good thing. Mm. That is a good thing. I'd say a number of those guys who, you know, are, are very, they're very sensible about their gaming. Um, they, they're not incapable of having a laugh. And invariably, yeah. we do end up having a laugh. Yeah. But um, I think on the whole, it, you know, the gregarious aspect of it, because you need, you need guys that are, not too bothered about coming in and meeting people, but yeah. I do get the other end of that spectrum, and which is the guy who's quite shy and yeah. understands and has you know read his history. He knows yeah. how the battle is supposed to be fought out. But at the centre, of course, we never follow the history pattern. There's no the, the, the battlefield's the same, but it's up to yeah. them how they deploy it. So yeah. all that lends to it. The guys have to engage. Yeah, they have, and you know, there's no, there's not too much stigma attached to. You know, knowing all the ins and outs of how the mm. battlefield, the battle progressed on yeah. uh, on the date of the event. But mm. so for me, there's a mix out there, and I'm quite happy to embrace any of them, to be honest. Um, well, we're going to cover quite a lot of the other stuff that I would normally talk to people about in in this section. In, in when we talk about the War Games Holiday Centre at the end, um, so I'm just going to draw a line under that section for now, um, yep. and then um, I've hope you've been revising in your Yorkshire guides uh, for the Great Yorkshire Quiz, which is coming up. Oh God! Oh God! <laughs> which is coming up after the break. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're back with Mark Freeth. And, and Mark, uh, were you born down south, Mark? Yes, I was born in West London. Ah, right. So for how Yorkshire gamer are you, the quiz, <laughs> you are you are already... Handicapped. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wasn't going to use that word, but... <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, well, when... Um, 
when we did uh, this, uh, the first episode, I had a chap called Gareth Lane on from uh, Wales, and um, he didn't even know where a couple of the places were on the quiz. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> Might, that might be me. That might be you. So, um, as as we as they as they say to the kids today, there's no pass or fail, um, <laughs> and this this merely is just um, some snapshot questions about the hobby, uh, with a few funny ones thrown in, and um, it will either be yes or no, or a choice of one or the other. And uh, at the end, we'll just see how Yorkshire gamer you are. And, uh, and being quite Yorkshire gamer is not necessarily a good thing. So, <laughs> so if you're ready to go, mate, I'll just ask the first question. Yeah, I am. Uh, so, go big or go home? Was that a question? That's I a question. It was a statement. Uh, no, no. Uh, go, go big. Go big. Go big. Good lad. Um, contrast paints. Are they great or are they a gimmick? gimmick windsor and newton brushes or yorkshire made pro art yorkshire made pro art. <laughs> um, 96 figures is that an army or a pike block <laughs> you know the answer to that don't you come on it's well, a pike block hey um six six foot by four foot table is that a big game or a small game that's a preparatory preparatory table <laughs> a small game oh you're gonna get me in trouble now uh right um uh, do you want to add to a points-based army or an historical order of battle historical order of battle when you're painting figures um would you use a wet palette to mix your paint or an old bit of mdf <laughs> an old bit of MDF. You're doing quite well so far. Um, undercoat, <laughs> un undercoat figures, black or white? Black, every time. Um, there's an explanation available for this if you need it. Um, would you ever run a list? Yes. Invariably, I do that at my gaming weekend. So, yes. Um, Another pipe block question. Um, do you like pipe pipe blocks tightly packed or socially distanced? Tightly packed. <laughs> tightly packed. Yeah. Uh, this 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 one's a given for you. Um, a two-hour <coughs> club game or a weekend monster game? Weekend monster game. Competition or campaign game? Campaign. Controversial one. Round dice. Are they allowed or banned? I don't ban anything. If somebody wants to use it for themselves, that's fine. Trust me, you need to ban them. <laughs> uh, would, you, would you pay 33 pence for a communist? For a what? For a communist. What is a com? I know what a communist is, but why would I pay 33 pence for it? No, probably not. Then. No, good lad. I'll, I'll explain no. that later on if you need it. Okay. Um. Do you like um, a good table in a in a set of rules, like a casualty table or uh, or something similar? No. There's some irony oh. in there. There's some <laughs> irony in there. <laughs> Twenty-eight mil is, is king. Yes or no? Yes. Unpainted miniatures allowed on the table. Yes or no? No. Emphatically, no, Ken. 
two deal breaker questions coming up. Question 18 and 19. Uh, Bradford City or Leeds United? Leeds United. Oh. Sorry, Tim. Sorry. I've got history. I can't help it. Mike Ingham <laughs> was a lifelong, he, he was was, a lifelong Leeds He fan. was Mike, yeah. I'd yeah. never forgive him for that. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, Yorkshire or the other place over the hill? Yorkshire. Good. And finally, um, Games Workshop, are they the work of the devil? No. Anything that encourages the hobby to the degree they do. I should not embellish it. Just the answer, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll be glad to know, Mark, you've done reasonably well. That's 75%. Well, 75% will put you in, um, in third place. Um, and you are in third place behind uh, Richard Harris, who was born and bred um, Yorkshire. And who I've gamed with all my life, and he only he only dropped points because he supports Leeds. So, <laughs> and um, second place, which has gone to um, a doctor of medieval Scottish history. So, oh, I, think, right. I, I think you are yeah. quite, quite well placed there with seventy five. Yeah, well, I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, that's great. So, the, the have you have you not seen round or spherical dice is probably the best thing. Yeah, I, I do know what you mean. The, the thing I would do, Ken, um, you know, if a guy turns up at the centre to use them, then no. But, you know, if I turn up at a tournament and he starts rolling those dice, I'd be absolutely fine with it. But I'd ask him if I could roll them for me as well. Yeah. Well, somebody somebody brought them here at Yorkshire Gamer. Um, we've got a regular group of guys who come around and game all the time. And they rolled a handful of them from melee or whatever. And four of them four of them shot 12 foot across the table, knocking a couple of pikes <laughs> off and a couple of flags, and then dropped off the other end. <laughs> so, so that's Maybe you just insist on a, on a little one of, one of those dice pods that you can roll them in. That's it. No, yeah. I well, to be fair, I insisted that he never brought them again. That was the problem yeah, solved. Fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so thanks very much for taking part in that little fun quiz, Mark. And we'll, we'll be back to the main topic in a second. So there we go. We, we've got the fun and jollity out of the way. Uh, we're going to talk serious stuff now, honestly. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> um, so we're going to talk about the War Games uh, Holiday Centre. And um, you mentioned in the start or, or in one of the earlier sections about that first visit um, and how it kind of blew you away, the setup, the terrain, etc. Um, just go through then the, the, the history um you know, you were going there a lot, and um, I think you mentioned Peter, and then Mike Ingham took over from Pete. Just, just talk yeah. about that 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 history up until when it closed down up in up in God's Own County. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, as I said, I, I met Peter back in '86. Um, I came home. I rang him the night I got home and said, <laughs> "When's the next one?" Oh, brilliant. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, that was the Battle Honours, um, well, I suppose it's uh, it was a, an award weekend. So, you know, they, if you bought a number of figures, you got entered into this raffle. Yeah. And the raffle prize was a place. So Tony Barton was there, the fellow who owned um, Danny, I can't remember his name now, Danny... But the guy who owned AB Miniatures, it, yeah. I mean, back in the day, it was Battle, battle Honours. It was then. Battle Honours when it started, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, so I went up there and we did Leipzig. Oh, my God, Ken. Oh, my God. 
Because he, yeah, you know, you can imagine you've got two tables that are six foot wide, yeah, twenty seven foot long yeah. each of them, and then you've got a three foot under the window, which is again twenty seven feet long, and the middle bit between the two six foot width tables that was the city of Leipzig, mm. and so you could play all around the city. And, you know, the guys who were the French, they were inside the city. They'd yeah. have to crawl out, you know, <laughs> go to the toilet, hands and knees down, down the gangway to get out, crawling under the boards. It was like, um, you know, the goon show, or yeah. what his name? Michael Benteen's yeah. party time. Oh, brilliant. People yeah. coming up in the middle to play the bit because the city walls were all around the outside. But that was another, that was one of those experiences yeah. that, you know, I just blew me away. Yeah. And then, of course, progressively, um, unfortunately, Peter, got, well, not unfortunately at the time because he was quite healthy, but he got, he sold it to Mike Kingham. Yeah. Mike was um, an investment banker in, in the city yeah. um, and he was a you know finance man. So he was really sharp. He came up, um, retired at 35. Bless him. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he took on the centre and, you know, he was very much the historian. So he was driving at getting the campaigns and doing the weeks, week-long campaigns. So yeah. I signed up for every single one of those. I never spent any time with my kids. It was like, <laughs> you know, four weeks of the year I'd be in Scarborough. Um, and <clears throat> doing all that, really, I built a good rapport with Mike. We used to go on holiday, do the battlefield tours. Mm. Myself and this chap I mentioned earlier, Paul Williamson from Belfast. And we go around and do the world war one battlefields because that was a real interest of mike's was the mm. world war one battlefields and then we take in some of the later napoleonic battlefields like crayon mary mm. sassane and, and all those you know the little ones in 1814 mm. that were fought in france we take all those in and then uh, uh, obviously mike um you know change of roles he had to go back to work for a little while and he, he was helping out a friend of his with eagle star insurance so he went back to London for a while and he brought um, another friend of mine, Jerry Elliott. In. Yeah. And Jerry used to run the War Games Centre, you know, in partnership with mm. uh, Mike. And Jerry brought in quite a large collection of his figures yeah. to add to it. So, you know, the, the, the collection grew exponentially you know, overnight, yeah. more, more or less. And then um, I think Jerry was running it with Mike probably, oh God, must have been about, Oh, 15 years, 16 years, something like that. It was quite yeah. a while. My, my involvement um, with, with the centre were with Jerry. So it was during that time that I was painting for them. So, because everything, yeah. all my dealings with Jerry were with Jerry. So maybe Mike had gone down to London at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And then Mike got taken, he got taken poorly. And there was mm. talk about shutting it down altogether. Um, and, you know, Mike, Mike, I think, you know, Mike bought Jerry out. So that was done. I think that's the way it went. I'm, I'm guessing here. I don't know all the ins yeah. and outs of it. So Jerry now does his own thing. He's got his own little setup there. So he mm. does his 10 mil stuff. And Mike had spoken to me about, you know, if there, this is prior to all this happening. Yeah. Mike had spoken to me in the past about, really, he'd always wanted to move it south to put it more of a central location in the country. So he what, was looking what, at Leicester. What, what leads... <laughs> no, 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 not central yorkshire further. not central yorkshire no, no. not no. leeds sorry mate no. no it went even further south it was like leicester but south more of the central of area of the country yeah 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 nosebleed country 
So he, he was looking at that. So, of course, where I come from, I'm slap bang in the middle between Gatwick and uh, Heathrow. Access from the ports on the south coast is quite easy. Mm. Um, it just made a lot of sense to move it down here. So Mike sold some of the collection, not a lot of it. And then he said to me, well, look, if you take it south and run it down there, you know, mm. we'll run it as a partnership. And that's what I did. So once he, poor Mike was taken terminally ill um, shortly after we'd agreed to, you know, while, while we were negotiating all this and getting it sorted. Um, and sadly, he passed away before I could open it. Oh, that's um, a shame. Yeah, it, very much so. So now it, the part, the silent partner, if you will, um, is Margaret, which is his wife. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we do it for the love of it. It's not, you know, we never make any real money out of it. So. <laughs> and, and I and I get a real buzz out of it, Ken. Yeah. I do enjoy it. I enjoy, and I've, like I said right at the beginning, you, you just make a lot of friends. Mm. So what, since I've been running it, uh, yeah. What what year what year was that then? What year did it move down south? Because I, I after I've met after it left Yorkshire, I kind of lost track of where we were with it um, and interest and, is the word ken is that what you're looking for <laughs> it's, it's like it's moved out of yorkshire who cares <laughs> <laughs> not, that, not, not that we're parties had up here <laughs> we, 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 th we thought brexit was yorkshire leaving england <laughs> <laughs> brilliant <laughs> no, so that was i moved it down here in Late 2010, and opened the doors in February 2011. So, so one question that has come up uh, during other people, because other people have mentioned the War Games Holiday Centre during these podcasts, uh, is yeah. how, how the bloody hell did you move all them figures down? Uh, <laughs> apart, stages, from, <laughs> apart from very carefully. Yeah, I mean, yeah, oh yeah, it was very, very carefully. Let me tell you. Yeah. So sorry. So some of them are Yorkshire gamer figures, they're worth brass them, they're worth a lot of money. None of my figures aren't, mate. <laughs> <laughs> they're all worth a lot of money. <laughs> so go on, I was uh, sorry, Mark. I was uh, you were saying, yeah, you got them down. <laughs> <laughs> so I, a, a couple of my mates own, you know, transit vans, that mm. kind of thing. So over a period of time, we'd fill up a transit, bring it mm. down, unload it. Um, so, uh, oddly enough, I went to the supermarkets and got those really useful. <laughs> yeah, those yeah. green boxes. They yeah. pack the vegetables in because they stack right up as well. And the free. So, um, and the free. And they're free. <laughs> That's the big thing. So, I mean, I got I got loads of those, Ken, and I moved all yeah. that down. All the boards were moved down, you know, as you imagine, very carefully. And I think the last one, was a six-ton lorry, which wow. I took up there, uh, put all the boards into it. Um, the tables that Peter put in, they're yeah. still up there. They're right. still there. Yeah. Um, but everything else has come back down. The only thing I haven't brought down from, from Yorkshire is um, the Renaissance figures. So I've got uh, uh, quite a large collection of Italian wars. Ah, uh, yeah, because I, I was going to ask about them. I'd not seen them. <laughs> Um, obviously, I don't know if you've seen my interest in the in the Italian wars. Um, that's one of my big periods, and I, I right. did one. I did wonder what had happened to that um, collection because one of the inspirational things for me in the hobby was I think it was 
um, War Games Illustrated either or miniature War Games, either uh, number one or number two. It had a picture of Peter Gilder's um, French gendarme on the front cover. Oh, and, yeah. I, and I remember looking at that and going, you see that there? That mum, that's what I want to do. That that, that yeah. there, that's what I want to do. Yeah. So who's yeah. got who's got that those now? Do you know those figures? Oh, they're still sat in Scarborough. All oh, right. Leave leave us an address, mate. I'll pick them up for you. Good luck getting past the dogs, Ken. Oh, is it one of them? One of the dogs? Dogs running loose? One of them? One of them houses? No, 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 no. Margaret's got a lovely. Um, well, she did have. I mean, in fairness, she hasn't got that anymore. So I mean, I was only joking, but yeah, she did have. She did have um, a couple of Alsatians that were big. Yeah. Big Alsatians, yeah. who put the fear of God into you as soon as you look over the fence. Yeah, well, I, well, I've got, I've got a big, I've got a big um, Alsatian German Shepherd here, um, and you have to be liked by him to allow to for you to war game at Yorkshire Gamer. You need to be liked by the because the last thing I want is it him running away with someone's arm in the middle of a game. <laughs> <laughs> that blood pumping uh. out on me on my lovely fingers. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, that's answered one of my questions then. Where those where those Renaissance figures are now? So, yeah. yeah um, did did you go up as the as the move was going on, or did you just receive the figures at the other end? I did all of it. I Sorry, did the so move. you did the move. I would yeah. imagine that that would have been melancholy, was it, when you were when it was empty oh, God, that yeah. room? Yeah. Yeah. It's still now. I go up there and walk into that empty space. Yeah. It, it is eerie. Yeah, it's eerie. Because you've got so many memories. Yeah, I, I remember. Yeah, I remember going in there, and I'd, I'd, it would be strange to think what it looks like now um, compared to Do how you know it what? was. Well, no, Ken, it's not dilapidated. It, it, it looks pretty much the same, but it hasn't yeah. got any terrain boards on the top, and obviously yeah. all the shelving's empty. Just from the apart uh, from, from the Renaissance army. Yeah, apart from the Renaissance shelving, which is full. But That's, we've still got a lot of Peter's terrain, you know, the, the little yeah. um diorama stuff that he had. So he made yeah. all the bell tent type affairs. Yeah. You yeah. know, the, the the striped canvas type mm. um like a medieval tent. Yeah. Uh he made a lot of those by hand. So there a load of that stuff still there. Yeah, it's all it's all um like museum pieces, if you like. If there was a, oh, if, yeah. if, if, if there was a, if there was a, a war games museum, I think some of those pieces would go in there. Um, yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a guy called Robbie Roddis. Do you know Robbie? I know. Yeah, he came down. Yeah, um, he's he he's, came to the Don Featherston. Oh, brilliant! He's got um, uh, a website dedicated to Peter. Um, and he's got lots of old news clippings and stuff on there, and lots. I think yeah. he's. I think he might have some of his figures as well, um, possibly. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I'm, I'm hoping I, I'll ask him nicely. I'll ask Robbie if he'll come on and have a chat about Peter. I think that'd be a really good. Yeah. Uh, good that'd be a really good episode. So um, <laughs> on our on our continuing soap opera of um, <laughs> War Games Holiday Centre down south, um, we've we've got we we've you've you've moved everything down south. Uh, what what happened then? How did you get set up down there? Well, I had a huge unit. I had a, a unit that was 1,600 square feet. So, um, you know, I easily put the tables in. I had a breakout area with sofas and, you know, mm. dining room tables for the guys to eat their lunch. And all my lunches invariably are, are buffet served lunches. Yeah. 
Um, and it, it was a big kitchen area, bathroom area, that sort of mm. thing. So it was it was enormous. Um, and I stayed in that unit up until five years ago, I think it was. Mm. Um, and then I thought to myself, hang on a minute, you know, I, th- there was huge tracks of the table that never got used. Yeah. And, you know, when you start to look at something, and um, I, I, and I've been there, and while you like to have the space, yeah, it becomes a little bit unnecessary because you know the back end of the six foot table, because I had two six foot wide, twenty seven feet long tables. Yeah. The back end of the six foot table just never got used. People put their coats on it. That was it. You know, <laughs> we, never got we, used. Was that the same setup that was in the holiday centre with the two yes. rows of play yeah, tables exactly. and then like the reserve table at the back? You, yeah you got it yeah, yeah. And, and i just never got to use it ken so i mean it, it, there were certain battles where it mattered but I, I i just ran the figures in my head and i thought well you know realistically what am i doing if i use this back six foot table hmm. and the figures come in all i've got to do is add 36 inches to the reserve roll so break yeah. that 36 inches down into a movement hmm. ratio and add that many turns to the reserve roll yeah and then hey presto the reserves are arriving you're just yeah. not moving the tiles on that back <laughs> six foot table yeah past, and, a, past know, all the coats yeah exactly <laughs> so i mean it just made more sense to then yeah you know scale it down lose just three foot of the table that's all i did mm. uh and i moved it into the single unit and then of course we stayed there for five years and it, i great success you know from the fact that I've got a number of clubs that book like you, like the Leeds lads yeah. do. do yeah. You know, they come yeah. along and they say, "Can I book it out this weekend?" And can we use our own rules? Well, yeah, fill your boots. Yeah. You know, um, and I get a lot of that. I I still use Peter's rules in the yeah. Gun Manor. That's the mainstay of what we do. Mm. We've tweaked it a lot because you know, let's be honest, it's probably the most play-tested set of rules on the planet. <laughs> Without a doubt. <laughs> yeah, it's always getting used every weekend sort of thing. Um, so they have been, you know, we, we've worked on them. Um, melees are different. Village mm. fighting's different. Fighting in woods is different to how Peter envisaged it. But we haven't moved it on. You know, it's not great leaps. It's not completely different. Yeah. But it's just a little bit more practical, a little bit more sensible, better feel about it, all that mm. good stuff. And did you say you'd moved again <laughs> from there? Or did you say you'd gone into a hotel now? Yeah, yeah, because um, I, I have a good relationship with the local hotels. And one of the hotels I was talking to, the Holiday Inn in Basingstoke, have got a huge conference area mm. that wasn't getting used very much. So yeah. I kind of thought to myself, well, I'll run some of the ancient weekends so, and I don't mean the players, I mean the figures. <laughs> <laughs> I, run some uh, of these I think they're ancient... probably both one in the same, to be honest. <laughs> I run some of these ancient weekends. Um, and I, oddly enough, when I was, you talked about going to shows and whatnot, I yeah. met Simon at Colours, and yeah. Simon was running one of his to the strongest demonstration games. Mm. Um, you know, we, we our eyes met across a crowded war games <laughs> venue. And I, and I thought, what's why not that, that that lad doing on his own? Because he was on his own. And I yeah. walked out because I had I had my stall, you know, yeah. for the war games center and big boards and yeah. video and all that sort of stuff. And I walked over there and I saw what he was doing with this Roman, he had a Roman Civil War game on, mm. but he was using cards and there were no tape measures. I thought, oh, that's intriguing, yeah. simply yeah. from the fact that. It's removed a lot of the things that you would cause argument 
between war gamers. Yeah. And, and you know, talking to Simon, that's exactly why he developed the rules. Mm. Because he had an episode that led him to to think, right, I, I never want to be in that position with a mate of mine again. Yeah. Where we're debating something and it almost becomes heated. And he get and he said, right, that's it. I'm going to do this. And he came up with these rules to the strongest. And it was a bit of an epiphany for me because prior to that, I was using DBM for ancients, mm. not at the centre but outside the centre. And I quite and that got me back into gaming. And that was a good friend of mine from the Welsh side of the, the war game fraternity. Yeah. Who you know, he said to me, "You've got to try this." He'd been playtesting it with his club in Swansea. Fantastic stuff. And meeting Simon, I said to him, "Why don't you come along to the centre?" And he did. Looking at the hotel, coming back to my story, this is like, yeah. um, God, I'm like uh, Billy Connolly, aren't I? He's just all, like, <laughs> all the way around the house. And, you know, we, we, I said to Simon, let's put the war game on in the hotel. So we put, I think we had six games on mm. in the one conference room. Mm. We could bring 30, I think we had 30 players on that first weekend. Yeah. Uh, they all got to play each of those big battles at least once. Oh, and good. the battle, the battles take about three to four hours to play. Mm. And it's using his card system and the grid system. So there was less, you know, very little debate over movement or, mm. you know, the rules aspects. Um, and we did that. I think we probably did that about five or six times. So I knew it would work in the hotels. One thing I was conscious of, you know, people always say, well, we've got a backache leaning over this. But they don't. It, it just doesn't come about because guys sit down. Yeah. You know, and once, they're, once they've done their moving, they tend to sit down. And then they'll start talking and, you know, mm. they roll the dice and they mark things off. So it's even a little bit more comfortable, if that makes sense. Because all my yeah. table, if you remember at, at Scarborough, Ken, they come up to your waist. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're that high, the table. Yeah. You'd need stools and a firing step to get in and reach the middle of the table if you I, th remember. I think i think that was to keep people's stomachs below the table level wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> i think that's why it was specifically designed to hide people's stomachs yeah, indeed indeed <laughs> so uh, running it at the, at the hotel i've already signed up for you know i think i've got eight games coming up for this year now and yeah. it was too, and I'd always planned to do it, but I was only going to do it at the beginning of this year. Mm. But of course, COVID kicking in and us being told you couldn't do any more of this social gathering yeah. in February of last year, it just brought that whole business plan mm. forward. And has, has everything gone across to the hotel? Has all the figures gone or have you, have you still no, no, got? No, no. I've, got, I've got local storage for that. So. I mean, one other aspect of the centre is that I use a variety of rule sets. And what I want mm. to do is you... I've got a cabin in the garden, you know, who yeah. hasn't these days. <laughs> but I've got a large... I've got quite a large cabin, yeah. which I'm using for storage. So I've got all of the, the centres, you know, the, the, the ranges for the ACW, the Marbury and the World War II in 20 mil and 28 mil. Mm. I've got that stored down there, as well as a lot of the terrain in really useful boxes. And I don't mean the vegetable cartons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've gone posh now. We're spending money on plastic yeah. now. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's the way. <laughs> that's the way. And then I've got all the boards and the Napoleonics are all in the garage, which is integral to the house. Yeah. So um, I've got a little van. I put them all in the little van, run it down there, lay the tables out. I have all, I only, I'm blessed in the sense that I only work four days a week, real yeah. job, yeah. you know. But Fridays, like today, yeah, is a day where I can do that kind of thing. 
And I know that it'll take me, I don't know, the first time I do it, it might take me three or four hours to set it up. Yeah. But I'll have plenty of time to do that, Ken. So, you know, and it makes more sense because the guys come into the hotel, they have breakfast there. I've got a really good rate for bed and breakfast. It's like yeah. uh, 50 quid or 57 quid bed and breakfast. Oh. Which is great down here. For down it's south, great. you get you get a week full board up here for that with a sea view. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is that is good down. That is good down there. I have to say. So the 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 yeah. the, the hotel that gaming in is where people stay. Then so that makes life That's a lot right. easier. A lot yeah. easier, doesn't it? Um, so apart when, from the bar, apart from the bar, to yeah, out of the bar. <laughs> It's not, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's that's where you are now with with the holiday centre. So um, in terms of figures, collections of figures, um, yeah. what what did you bring down from Scarborough, um, and how, what have you added to that since? So brought down the Polyonic, um, obviously quite yeah. a large collection. Forty, it must be nearly forty thousand figures. Yeah. Um, and that oh, no, hang on, no, so the 40,000 figures that's realistically everything. So, you know, you're talking 20 to 20, 20 to 30,000 is the, is the Napoleonic stuff, yeah. and then you've got the ACW, which is mm. a large collection that we put yeah. that Jerry yeah. put together. Yeah, um, we've got the Marburian collection, which is the one Mike worked on. I've been adding to that since yeah. we brought it down. I've always, I've also added to the American Civil War collection. Um, and we've got a couple of ranges of World War Two. We've got 28 mil because I like that scale. Yeah. Um, and I like the buildings that you can get with it. The whole yeah. look of the table, it just upscales it. So everything's far more yeah. visible, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to do 132nd and I started doing that. I bought huge collections of Russians and Germans yeah. to do it in one in 132nd and I thought what on earth are you doing that I'm adding a, an, a third <laughs> scale to something I'm doing but and, and that's John Landers fault because John was the one who put um the uh, the Arnhem game yeah on at the, at the war game center and some of the pictures I got from that Ken yeah. for me are the best photographs I've ever taken in war game yeah you know they're just amazing and I love that I love the war the, the world war ii stuff so my additions are lots and lots of Napoleonics. Yeah. Lot of Napoleon. That's my main passion. Yeah. Um, and I, 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 as mentioned, I was hosting a, a one weekend a year, which was for fantasy wargaming. Mm. So the guys would turn up doing their Warhammer stuff. And then I get guys who play ancients, play medieval, who might have an interest in it. You know, they look over the fence and think, oh, what are they doing over there? What's that? You know, that's a bit of interest. And they, and, but they don't necessarily own anything. So yeah. I bought quite large collections together of fantasy, you know, big armies that are ogres or orcs mm. or goblins or dwarves or whatever it might be. Um, so I've added all that to it. Uh, we still run that. Well, the plan is to run that once a year. Um, and I get a lot of guys who migrate from doing the science fiction stuff who've never mm. seen World mm. War Two. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and they look at it and they go, "Well, hang on, a minute. those those tanks are cool. What the hell are they?" Yeah. Yeah. And it literally is as naive as that sometimes. Yeah. And I, you know, you just start a bit of explaining, and they're like, "Wow, that's a Tiger One. Okay, great. You know, and well, what's this? A Cromwell? Fantastic." And 
they look at all the tanks first invariably and then it works into the history of it and yeah. you know they've heard of, they know d-day because this is a younger audience to a degree yeah you know and they know they know about d-day and they know about world war ii but it's not really piqued their interest because mm. they steered themselves down that road of dealing with you know games workshop stuff yeah i think i think um people come into the hobby in different ways now and, and through yeah. science fiction tends to be the, the main way and they don't have that first-hand experience that um, I think we're about the same age uh, and so my grandparents were in the second world war so we had yeah. that direct connection with it and we spoke to people who fought yeah, yeah. in the war and, and and had that fascination whereas today and you see it in some of the language that people use. So people talk about factions instead of Germans and British, and it it, it it's starting to become a game rather than something that we think of as very recent history. Well, and it's happening. Yeah. It's happening in our lifetime, which is very interesting to see. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and a lot of people kind of think about tanks as um, like space marines and stuff like that. They want the best one rather than the, the one that was actually there <laughs> at the time. Yeah, no, there is an element of that. I mean, but I think I'll, I'll say hand on heart, the guys that used to come and do the tournament stuff for mm. 40K, I've got a, a quite a significant audience came across to do the World War II. Yeah. So they'd come along with, and they were using the old Peter Gilder rules, which, you mm. know, is it, what became rapid fire. Yeah. You know, and they we used those at the, at the mm. centre. I, I, I I got a lot of time for them. You know, they're, they're yeah. really oh, it, they're it, good, great board yeah. stuff. It's great to get anybody to cross to cross into historicals, however they play it. Um, yeah. And then once that person is in playing a historical war game, and then everyone starts to pique their interest in to reading about history. And then yeah. and it's, it's at that point when they've got the interest in history that they start to go, Oh yeah, you can't have a tiger tank in 1941, can you? Damn! <laughs> what am I going to? But but what you need to get them in uh, to, yeah, to get them to get them to to that stage. Um, yeah, yeah. So um, if I wanted to come along, or if or if anyone who's listening wants to come along to the War Games Holiday Centre, and let's assume that people who are listening. I've never been or um, are just thinking about going to the first Warm Games holiday weekend. What's, yep. What happens? You know, I've, I've, um, how do I book it? And once I've booked it, what happens when I get there? Well, you, you can book it up on the website. So you just look up War Games Holiday Centre uh, mm. or wargameshc.co.uk. Yeah. Um, you, go, you go on to that site. There's contact details there for me. You can drop me an email or you can call me. Mm. Um, and then once that connection's made, yeah. I send out an information pack that gives you the breakdown of what the costs are. Yeah. So it's a hundred it's one hundred and seventy pounds for a weekend. Yeah. That's from the Friday afternoon through to the Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Uh, that includes all the lunches and teas and coffees throughout the weekend. Yeah. Uh, and then it, on top of that, you've got the bed and breakfast aspect of it. So you yeah. stay in the hotel. Um, but the, the key thing is get in touch with me through the website i've also got facebook twitter yeah instagram all that good stuff ken so there's lots of social media of war games holiday center out there um and, and basically i'll give you all the information you need to book up and come down and take part um so um i've booked 
I'm sat here in Leeds. It's 10 o'clock on a Friday morning. What time do I need to be up in, up, up? up. I'm, I'm thinking it's back in Scarborough again. Uh, <laughs> when, when do I need to, to, to pass the, um, the Northern Wall through Sheffield and come south? Where, <laughs> yeah. What's that thing Crossing in Game the Rubicon? What's that thing in Game of Thrones, that ginormous <laughs> yeah, the wall. <laughs> wall of ice that leads to the south. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, yeah. Just... <clears throat> so, it's, I think I'm just west of, uh, let me get my directions right. I'm just west of Basingstoke. Well, no, I'm in Basingstoke now. So, I'm just, Reading's to the northwest yeah. of Basingstoke. That's the biggest town, I guess yeah. you'd say. Um, and you know, if you're coming down from Leeds, it'll take you four and a half to five hours. Yeah. And but you come down and invariably what we used to do, Ken, we'd go up and there'd be like two or three of us in a car. Yeah. So it's part of the holiday mm. almost. And are, are you are you gaming on the Friday night or are you organizing on yeah. the Friday night? How does it how does it work? So we do the prep on the Friday night. So yeah. the guys will come along, they'll get their orders of battle, they'll get a look at the battlefield. Uh, they decide which size they want to be on, obviously, and then they yeah. get the order of the battle. Um, they come up with a plan for the art, for their force. For the first, ten, the for the first 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it goes out the window. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> and then contact with the enemy. We'll screw that up. And then, it's, yeah. and then and everything's, everything's put on tile. <laughs> so there's blind, we use blinds at the beginning, so you can't, you can't tell what it is yeah. that you're up against. Um, and that'll kick that I, I start at four o'clock on Friday afternoon, and they'll get one or two, maybe three. Sometimes I get half a dozen turns in, yeah, in that Friday evening. And then they go to the restaurant, have something to eat at the restaurant with the rest of the lads. A pint in a bar usually leads to two or three pints, yeah. Um, and then Saturday morning, you know, they get up, have breakfast, and then it's back in the room, half past nine, kick off again. And that goes through right up until half seven Saturday night. Yeah. And then Sunday, repeat, but up until four o'clock. And that's when we enter, you know, we aim to finish at four. Brilliant. And, and that's that that's an opportunity for um people who don't have access to big collections and big rooms to have yeah. a go uh, at, yeah, at, yeah. at a big game. Um what what do you find um do you still have like clubs who book an entire weekend out or is it in most yeah, individuals? Very much. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah. So I've got, a, I've got a group of lads that come, well, come from all over the world. I've got guys coming in from Vienna. I've got guys who come in from, um, I've had chaps coming over from the States. Yeah. Uh, I've got um, club wise. I've got guys from the Reading and Newbury. I've got guys from um, uh, Warrington, Manchester area. I've got guys from Blackpool. Yeah. Um, yeah. East of England, they've got the Essex lads, uh, the Loughton yeah. Strike Force. You know, so there's quite a, I'd say there's probably about half a dozen clubs mm. that book up with me frequently. Yeah. Um, and they'll use a variety of rules. You know, I'm, I'm not, we just, we use Black Powder, we use General de Armee, we use General de Brigade. Um, we were going to use Shaco just before the lockdown. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not averse to any rule set. So, you know, I've got nothing I would, you know, I'm not I'm not um, selfish about that. I'm quite open to anything. Uh, 
So we've 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 obviously we've we've had a, a global pandemic thing, and, and yeah. I knew it, I knew it was bad because we couldn't play cricket anymore. So it must be it yeah, must have been ser- must have been serious yeah. if if cricket's off. Uh, so um, yeah. what? Obviously, you've been closed. Um, when when are you reopening, uh, uh, or when are you planning to reopen? Yeah, so the first weekend's the 18th to the 20th of June because the hotels aren't under the same restriction. They can actually, you know, they can have people in... I mean, there's going to be some distancing, social distancing still within the environment. So we're going to be sensible about these things. Mm. Um, And I'm very mindful of that whole aspect of it, Ken, uh, as is the hotel, obviously. Uh, But the first weekend's going to be the 18th to 20th of June. So no no prizes for guessing which battle we're going to be doing on that Uh, first weekend. Yeah, it could be a a tough one, that one, decide. Did did you mention, there was like a little break, wasn't there, like last time between the second and third lockdowns? Did you uh, manage to open up again then or you've been closed for a year? No, no, closed the whole time, the whole time. Yeah. And and in in a way, I I mentioned earlier that um, I took the lockdown and moved everything out of the unit yeah and i you know and, and taking everything out and storing it locally here it meant that it was impractical to do it anywhere else and i wasn't yeah. gonna rush back to because the hotel was you know they weren't as sure as we weren't you know yeah. so there was nothing every and you were anticipating things were going to change weren't you if, if yeah. i'm honest so yeah we uh, and the answer to your question, I've not done anything since I think it was the <laughs> first weekend in February of 2020. So, um, have you got any plans for the future? Have you got any things that you're looking to add on to the list of stuff that you do, or any any yeah, special I'm events? Gonna, or yeah. So I want to. Now, this will interest you because I'm uh, my mate Chris Cornwall's got a huge collection of Italian wars. It's, early the, it's, the, stuff. it's the second best in the country, I've heard after. One in Yorkshire. <laughs> Very good. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Chris will be delighted to hear that, Ken. You must come down. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he's Chris has got a huge collection of relations. So what, what we're aiming to do is run some of the uh, Italian War slash early renaissance battle weekends Mm. and run those in conjunction with things like english civil war so there's a big aspect of english civil war good friend of mine steve thompson he's got huge collections he's he's hosting um uh, three games on the don featherston weekend for instance and we're gonna we're gonna be we're gonna be refighting uh and we're also doing rourke's drift and uh nazine river Mm. so nazine river is one that's not really heard of yeah i may even be saying it wrong that's how yeah. unheard of it is <laughs> but um so that was where um the zulus obviously encountered them and trying to cross the river hmm. so it was one of the columns uh, of the imperialist com- columns uh so we're doing all three battles at the hotel for the don featherson weekend and steve's also got some money we got the boxer rebellion stuff if you remember yeah. that from the yeah. war game yeah. yeah shows yeah yeah so we're doing we're going to be doing some of that um so there's a whole raft of new additional material that's coming to the fore oh so that sounds it's, it's, it's nice to keep I suppose keep it fresh and have new things in for for people yeah. to try out and, and and new periods for people to try out as well um you've actually mentioned the next thing on my list which was the dom Featherston weekend. Um, yeah. How how long's that been going now? Oh, eight years. Yeah. Eight years. 
And, I, you know, I, I've got a hardcore of guys that come along to it, but I also get an, a number of guys that come along, you know, that are new um, yeah. or they come intermittently. And I think some of that's a feel for, they love the camaraderie of it. Yeah. You know, I must, have, I must have about, I don't know, 10 guys who all know each other. Mm. They even get together in groups, you know, and they're all on a, <laughs> on a male group and they take the mickey out of each other and all this sort of thing. <laughs> and, and then you've got, there must be, you know, every year we get new faces. And so it's, it's a real, and it's a tribute to the man, you know? Yeah. Do you use his rules or his no, scenarios no. from his books or yeah so we, we 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 try to use some of the scenarios from his rules uh, his books we don't yeah. use his rules per se but it's all played in the spirit of it so Brilliant. chris scott chris scott who's the author chris scott who's yeah. written quite a lot of material on um military history and, and war gaming he was really really good friends with don so chris comes along he does a bit of an after dinner speech uh, speech for us um, and it's in keeping, you know, he keeps us straight on it. You know, he, yeah. you know, it, I, I go to Chris and say, you know, what do you think of this? We're going to do that. The IEA would love that. He'd love <laughs> that. Yeah, let's, do, let's do that. Oh, and it's, it's that kind of feel. And, and yeah. Chris was blessed. Chris blessing was, he was kind enough to come down and bring a load of the stuff, lit figures that Don owned, mm. which we put on display uh, for the weekend. So people yeah. can get a look at it and, you know, get a feel for the whole thing. And then each year we vote for the most gentlemanly gamer, which is essentially the best loser, really. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and they all take a vote on it. Who's the best loser, you know, or, or the most gentlemanly player. And then I've, I've got a um, a crystal Shireen, yeah. which has been engraved with um, a British infantryman from the Zulu Wars, ironically, yeah. and a Zulu warrior. Uh, and either side of that, I put the date and the name of the guy who gets. Oh, that's fantastic! Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. So the oh. guy, the guy who is keeping it in the spirit of the of the whole weekend and the yeah. gaming, you know, yeah. his name gets put up there and immortalised. <laughs> so I've got Char Charlie Wesencraft. He's on there. Yeah, I've seen um, some pictures of him at the at the weekend. Yeah, yeah, and Henry's bit. Henry's on there. Who else is on there? Uh, there's a number of guys that have won it over the years, uh, and we also do on on the Saturday night. We have um, a big, you know, silver spoon type dinner affair. Yeah, everybody dresses up in their best bib and tucker, uh, and we award a prize for the best, the most. Uh, sorry, the best dressed gentleman. So oh. you know, guys turn up and they're all in waistcoats and you know <laughs> suits and period costume that kind of thing so and and they take away the trophy for the year and of course they've got to bring it back next year yeah. but you know they get to keep it <laughs> that sounds fantastic we, we've, yeah. we've we've briefly covered rule sets and and you've you've kind of mentioned that you you like to mix and match and, and use different ones um yes do you have default sets and then if other people ask um can we use this set of rules you do it that way or how does it work uh I use default sets. Obviously. Yeah. So I'll advertise a weekend and I'll say, this is a GDA weekend. Yeah. Or I'll advertise Napoleonic and it'll be ITGM in the Grand Manor. Yeah. And I, but I do, I do specify that with Grand Manor, it's uh, an adapted version of it. Yeah. And the guys get, like pre-gaming, they'll get, a, you know, all the amendments. I mean, the, I say all the amendments. It's not, a, it's on two sheets of A4, you know, yeah. back and front. It's not a huge change. But it makes the game a little bit more plausible and playable. Mm. Um, and then I've got rapid fire 
um, at the is my twenty mil range default. But you know, Dave Brown's just brought out O Group. Yeah, uh, that looks very very good. Yeah, I've, so, I've not had a chance to have a look through those yet. So um, some of my list yeah. of things to do. Yeah, so I'm, I'm obviously working with Dave um, with regard to the GDA side of things. I also do the chain of command as well. So mm. um, for the 28 mil, I don't do anything else because for me, chain of command brought me back into World War II with the f it, it felt right. Mm. You know, I wasn't seeing who was shooting at me until they started shooting at me. <laughs> yeah. It's that kind of, and that's, yeah. How it, that's how I imagined it should feel, whether that's right or wrong, but that's how I felt it. And that, that whole feel of it. So Richard Clark and his guys, you know, hats off to them. I, I use their rules for the 28 mil weekends. Mm. Um, and as I said, rapid fire for the 20 mil. But I'm thinking about O Group as well for the 20 mil. And the Marlburian mm. stuff I used to use beneath the Lily Banners because I'm, I don't think I'm incorrect here. Mike Kingham wrote rules for the Marlburian period because it was a baby of his. Mm. He loved yeah. it. And, and I believe the gentleman who drafted Beneath the Lily Banners took those rules and, and built on them. Oh, right, okay. You, yeah. know, so, yeah. you know, so the basis of it was what Mike yeah. had envisaged. Yeah. And, yeah, and I, I quite like those. Um, but I also use an adapted version of Black Powder for uh, mm. the War of the Spanish Succession, which uh, works really well. Yeah. When people come then, um, it, does, it, does it tend to be the... The, the older person rather than the the younger gaming generation or yeah, have, you, I, have you started to see young people come through no I, I can count on one hand the amount of guys that come through that are beneath the age of 30 yeah so uh and i think i think that's you know it goes in cycles mm. so uh I, i'm getting a lot of interest so mm. like i talk about the you know, the 40k gamers, they're all yeah. young lads. Mm. So there is an interest in war gaming, mm. but it's, you know, it's that, it's the aspect of that interest. Do you want it to, should it be history or should it be the fact that we all get together and they learn their social skills and their numeracy mm. skills and, you know, all that interaction stuff. Mm. Um, I, I, I think the majority, I can say hand on heart, the majority of my gamers are 40 plus. Because mm. there does seem to be, and this is one of the reasons why I, I kind of started the podcast was to was to talk more about big games. And yeah. there's, there's a drive at the moment, and it's been around for, for quite a number of years for for smaller, compact. Some people call them boutique games on sort of yeah. two foot square, three foot square, um, and the rules are very very simple, which is which is not a bad thing. But then. No. Um, it seems that the limelight has gone away from the big game. And I described it in, in one interview I did where you've got, you've got a canyon and on one side of the canyon, you've got loads of two, three foot square tables, all brilliantly lit up with like fireworks behind them and a rock band playing music and loads of big plastic fingers going, look at this, look at this, look at this. Yeah. And then you've got a ginormous canyon. And on the other side of that, you've got a 27 foot table with, 3,000 Napoleonic figures on and a bloke with a little torch going, have a look at this. It's really nice. And there, doesn't <laughs> seem, there, just, there seems to be that ca think, canyon there where, and are we getting I, people I, across? Uh, I think, I think it, you know, it's an awareness exercise. So, yeah. you know, when you're doing things at the shows, mm. there's some great work going on at the shows where they get yeah. people coming in, but yeah, a lot of it's down 
down to the advertisers. The social media is lending a lot to that. Mm. So I think the reason we're not seeing guys coming into the shows is, is you know, perhaps that's budgetary. Mm. You know, because a lot of these guys, they're going to have young families. And you, yeah. like me, Ken, you know, I didn't have a huge collection. I couldn't afford a, a huge collection mm. because mm. I was paying for the kids. <laughs> so, do you yeah, not get them up the chimney like we do around here? <laughs> 13, trust me, I thought about it. 13, 14, the down the mill. <laughs> <laughs> trust me, if I had the ability, yeah, I probably would. But, but that, I think that's the aspect. So, I mean, I've got guys who have said they've said to me quite openly, yeah. I'm not bothering to buy a collection because what I will do is get my fix by coming here. I know, that's brilliant, and I, I, I'm really glad that people are doing that. Um, yeah. Because there's a, a lot of uh, a lot of people will say to me, "Oh, I love the stuff you've you've got, but I can't do that because space, because money, whatever." And and I have to say, well, you know, when I was 18, 19, I was a student, and I had no space, and I had no money. Um, yeah. And and it comes slowly, and as you get to uh, the golden years of one's life. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. You, you, you are, you know, some some of us, and quite a lot of us, to be fair, because there are these little. Um, what I've discovered since I've done this is there's these little silos of of like six or seven, eight war gamers in a little bunker somewhere, with an absolutely fantastic collection of figures and terrain, all playing wonderful, wonderful games, and nobody knows anything about them. At all. But then I guess, yeah, I, <laughs> and, I, and I, I kind of understand that because if you find yourself that niche, yeah, then what, why do you need to look anywhere else? Mm. I think a lot, a lot of these guys that I see coming to the centre, uh, you know, they want to enjoy the bigger games. That's absolutely spot mm. on. But they don't have space. They don't want. It's not that they can't. They don't mm. want to invest in huge amounts of yeah. figures and store them. They'd much rather. I mean, can you, you can you've done some of this, right? When you go to put a game together at the club, mm. it, the logistics of it, yeah, is a headache. Yeah, no matter what you do, it's a headache. You've got to get mm. Dave down with his barbarians, and you've got to get Simon over with his Romans, yeah. and he's going to bring the light, the auxilia, and we haven't got enough legion. What's going on? Where's 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 Brian? Come on, get. And you know, and they, you've got to get everybody together, get all the figures together, and then you've got to have something to play on. So it takes mm. all the setting up, and invariably, there's two or three lads in a club that do all that. Yeah, and everybody else turns up. <laughs> yeah. So, and you can so, always get, always guarantee that one bloke with some really really essential bit of kit doesn't turn up. It's like yeah. I've set this massive Pegasus bridge up game up right i've got this <laughs> massive table where's dave with the bridge he's not, what do you mean he's not coming what do you mean he's not coming get them rubber dinghies out it's a river crossing now yeah. that, that would be bending history is, a bit oh yeah true enough yeah back to 1940 <laughs> let's, let's call it the nerves yeah but if um you know if these guys want to get into big games hmm. they can i guess some of the some of the, the things that daunt them is they don't want to get in there and meet new people, you know. Mm. And there's a little bit of hesitation on that. You know, I'm here to tell you that uh, without exception, nobody's come to my centre and thought, "Oh my God," you know, they feel isolated mm. and they're not getting involved with anything going on. 
because that's part of my nature. I'm, a, I'm very much the people pleaser and I like to get people together. And I spend mm. a lot of time working on the scenarios yeah. to make sure that people have a good time. I like to think so anyway. <laughs> <laughs> when, the, when the games are going on then, Mark, what, what's your role? Are you like a roving umpire? Yeah. Um, is, is that how it works? Yes, yeah. So I'm there 24-7, as it were, or throughout the whole game anyway. Yeah. And if there's any any questions, I answer them straight away. Um, you know, if there's any discrepancies, I am unbiased about it. That's very clear and very important that you've just yeah. got to be unbiased. Yeah. And very rare do we get anybody arguing about stuff. It just doesn't, it just doesn't really happen. Is you that, know, which I'm, I'm yeah. pleased about. I'm pleased well, about. If, if you ban round dice, you will never have an argument. Because, <laughs> 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 well, that, that's been an absolutely fantastic chat, Mark. I've really enjoyed uh, this afternoon. Um, no, thanks, I'm delighted uh, to meet you. Ben. Thanks I very much. Thank, to meet you. Thanks very much for coming on. Um, I, I always, I always give people an opportunity to ask me a question at the end. Um, uh, can, you, can you think war games related? I'm not giving you my pin number for my bank card or out like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can you think of a question for me? How many Renaissance figures do you actually own? Twenty-eight mil. Yeah. Um, oh God, no! Hang on, I didn't know there was a choice of range sizes. <laughs> uh, no, I'm probably up. Uh, I'm probably up pushing towards. Do you mean Italian wars or Italian wars and English Civil War? Because they're both ridiculous. <laughs> Don't spit it out. Come on, be honest. We're, 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 we're probably both collections together. We're up about 1,500, 1,600, I would think. Um, and the Italian wars is getting a big um, drive on it at the moment. Um, that's my current massive project because uh, somebody's taught me into writing a book about war game in the italian wars um so, oh, <laughs> so I, I i need to uh, i need some units and I'm, I'm i'm doing like um chapters on building pipe blocks and stuff like that as well for people so unfortunately well, when, i've got to build I've another got... pipe block <laughs> Good lad, good lad. I was going to say, like your school report, Ken, must try harder. <laughs> yeah, must must get must get more figures. Yeah, more figures, more painting. I, I'll uh, yeah. This this month has been. Um, I do a monthly update on the YouTube of what's going on here, and I can't believe the amount of stuff I bought this month. I got in com, com, conversation with a guy on on Twitter, um, and um, I was after some. T, T, T64 tanks. He says, I've got some of them, Ken. It's oh, brilliant. How much do you want for them? Oh, great. I love them. He says, oh, I've got some World War II tanks as well, if you're interested. I went, oh, well, you know, I've put it to one side. And then he just showed me this box and it was like <laughs> huge. You could, you could have got a real chieftain tank in it. And, and, it, <laughs> and I said, what's in there? And he's given me this, this long list, because I'm doing Kursk, and there was, there was two or three things I didn't want. But And I said, all right, go on, then, how much? And he told me, and I went, I bit his hand off. So, so oh, uh, you can never have too many figures, is what I say. No, no, exactly. <laughs> well, look, before you go, um, yeah. I'll invite you down to the Italian Wars weekend we have oh, next that, year. That would be really you come down as my You come down as my guest, Ken. That would and be you fantastic. you can talk about... You can talk about it afterwards on your podcast. Uh, if you want me to bring all my figures down, I'd be more than more than grateful. Yeah, you do that, mate. You do that. I'd be delighted to see them. And you can pick out those Napoleonics you painted. So I, oh, I can oh, hold them in reverence. I, I can sign the bottom of the bases and they'll be worth more money then. 
Oh, good lad, yeah. <laughs> put, put, put a little picture of some mushy peas or something on the bottom of them, and then you'll, 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 know, you'll know the mind. <laughs> right. <laughs> on that note, everyone, uh, thank you very much. Thank you, Mark. Uh, good night. Good night, Ken. Thank you. There we go, everyone. Um, that was a lovely chat with Mark. I really enjoyed that. And um, I hope some of the humour and love for the big game came through in that interview. Um, it was most enjoyable uh, doing. Uh, so that's the end of the first run of five episodes. And I set out some uh, a couple of months ago with um, a drunken tweet complaining about there not being enough coverage of big games on podcasts and waking up in the morning with 175 likes and a load of people going it'd be a great idea if you did one Ken so we're here now and we've done our first five and uh, I hope you've enjoyed them very much um, I'd like to thank all my guests um, Gareth Lane, Chris Breeze on the first episode uh, Richard Harris, uh, Dr Chris Brown Colin Ashton and of course Mark uh, for taking uh, a leap of faith with me in this podcast of all those people um, Chris has um, been the interviewer on podcasts but not been the interviewee and um, there's only Mark of, of all those people who had done a podcast before um, and it was one of the things that I set out to do with these podcasts was to, to bring some new voices to air and to talk about uh, big games that they had played and, and uh, try and get some love and some attention to uh, to, to big game gaming in war games and, and hopefully I've done that and I'm, I'm going to try and continue that over the coming weeks and months um, as this uh, podcast continues. Um, I've decided to try and keep to a schedule of uh, one every three weeks. Um, I've looked at doing one every two weeks and, and it is possible and I've found um, having done one every two weeks with this first run of five, it's perfectly doable, there's plenty of time to fit things in between and, and do all the um, editing and contacting of people and organising etc. Um, however I did find that there was little time, little break in between and uh, one thing I don't want to do is to kind of burn myself out with these podcasts and um, run out of guests and, and run out of ideas and, and by um, having them three weeks in between each one I'm finding myself um, yearning to do more rather than thinking oh my god I've got another one to do um, so that's uh, the plan uh, one every three weeks and uh, so that will mean that the next episode episode six of the the new uh, Yorkshire Gamers Elite Big War Games podcast will be on the 14th of May 2021 and I'm hoping to uh, speak to Fraser Von Ketteringham um, of YouTube fame he's got a massive following on YouTube as the lad um, and uh, as well as all the other stuff that we're going to be talking about um, the lad has built a big shed in his back garden for wargaming, a dedicated wargaming shed and, and who doesn't want one of those at the end of the day so we'll, we'll, we'll be speaking to Fraser about that hopefully in the next episode which uh, I'm very much looking forward to our chat. Um, 
I'm going to keep the format roughly the same. I'm going to stick to the four sections that, the, that we currently have. The intro with the four minute bit of a giggle um, history of uh, your uh, entry into wargaming uh, and then a few questions around that. Um, our chat on big games and people's experience of them and uh, the joy of them and uh, what people uh, would like to see, all the difficulties that people have with having big games. That's going to be part two again. And then the old Yorkshire Gamer quiz. I'm going to have stuck to the, the same 20 questions for the first five episodes. Uh, I'm going to mix and match, match a few questions, come up with some more, and uh, just to make it a little bit more interesting. But the quiz is staying, whether you like it or not. Um, it does always seem to have a bit of a laugh, so I'm keeping that in. And uh, then we'll follow with the the big topic, and I'm going to try um, and pick each guest um, for some aspect of big gaming, uh, whether that be um, rule writing, or as we've had on a couple of the episodes, holiday centres, or um, organising big games, or organising big projects. I've got lots of ideas going forward for people to speak to and I've also got a couple of ideas around kind of uh, round table discussions and a couple of things. Um, a few people have mentioned um, how Wargaming has helped them with mental health and I think that would be a really good round table discussion if I could get three or four people involved in, in that in an episode. Uh, I think that would be really good. So thank you very much for following me over these five episodes and if you've not already um, subscribe to us on Podbean or Apple Podcasts or any one of the podcast hosts uh, you should be able to find me by searching for Yaksha Gamer with an A there's only me out there with that title so once again Sithy